Welcome to the Conduit Deeper Podcast, a podcast that takes a deep dive into the details that surround our current sermon series, from current events to fascinating finds, to conversations that take us deeper into the Word. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to our Deeper Podcast. My name is Mo, Executive Pastor at Conduit Church, joined each and every week with our lead pastor, Darren Tyler. Good afternoon, Mr. Tyler. Mo, it's hard to believe that it's already Tuesday again, right? Or I guess Wednesday by the time we drop this. Tomorrow will be Wednesday. Today is Tuesday. Yes, we record these on Tuesday afternoons and upload them first thing Wednesday morning for all of our listeners. And, and we actually have listeners. Yeah, they're yeah, fairly, fairly decent ragtag team of listeners. Yeah, I mean, it's a scrappy bunch, right? <laughs> but, but, they're, but they're consistent each and every week, yeah. and we're, we're growing, which is really, really cool. Um, folks are, are telling other folks about it, and uh, we're, seeing, we're seeing the numbers kind of edge up a little bit. It's yeah. encouraging. Yeah, like we're, we are in the hundreds, not thousands of downloads yes. per week, but hundreds of downloads a week. I mean, when I think back to we started this out, I would get like ecstatic in the early days of Conduit because we had like a hundred all week long or all month long. Right, and, right. And, you know, three or four hundred downloads at this point per episode and yeah, people pulling me aside. And Marshall Lee is telling his Canadian friends. So I guess that means we're international. International. Right. Podcasters officially. Canadians, eh? Yeah. And so this week we're going to dive into Revelation 12. Um, from your, uh, your teaching on this past Sunday. And if you haven't had a chance to listen to that, you can go do that by just searching our podcast and, and finding Revelation chapter 12 through our um, Big Reveal series. And the title for this particular teaching from Sunday was Gaslighting the Kingdom of God. And we got, you got the attention of some folks, I think. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot in there. <laughs> There's a lot. I feel like I uh, went to the fridge and just pulled out everything I had and put it on the table and wished everybody luck. Well, yeah, there was something dinner. for everyone. Yeah. <laughs> so, or like one of those Brazilian meat places where they're just <laughs> shaving it off until you're begging for mercy. Yeah. <laughs> Case of the meat sweats. <laughs> There's a lot of information was, given. <laughs> meat sweats on a Sunday. <laughs> kind of what it felt like. I mean, there was there was a lot coming at us on Sunday from this oh, passage. Yeah, I uh, I I'm not sorry about that. I just there's just a lot uh, in there. So when you say gaslighting the kingdom of God, what do you mean? Well, I don't know if you've uh, been a part. I was actually, to be honest with you, I was surprised when I asked how many people had heard the phrase gaslighting, mm -hmm. uh, how few people had raised their hands. Yeah. Um, because it is a term that, actually, maybe I shouldn't be surprised when I think about that. It, it, it's used often in terms of relationships um, as far as abusive relationships. And so maybe there's not a lot of people in our church, which would be a huge blessing to us that are not in an abusive relationship. But if they, uh, if they are, that is a phrase they might have heard. Uh, what I, this is when I say I was surprised that uh, that phrase has actually been uh, hijacked somewhat by progressive liberal, um, especially far left wings, uh, in reference to what's happening to the country um, but as I was, I don't know, as I was digging into it, I was thinking it's, it's, it's ironic to me 
that that would be a word that that specific jet stream of humanity grabbed onto because that is what I'm reading the definition. I'm going to read it here in a second. That's what I feel like is happening to us. Um, If you're average American, if you are just a a person living in Nebraska, my people shout out to the, you know, the Midwest, the corn people, you know, you're watching the news and thinking, and this is different, by the way, than our grandparents or our parents looking at us going, oh, you kids have lost your mind. Your kids are crazy. The cultural shift that happened in the 60s and the 70s. I think what's happening right now in our world is a cultural shift that's it's like a cultural earthquake like mm. a chasm that is formed but yeah. but here's the definition of gaslighting it's um a form of psychological manipulation in which a person or a group covertly sows seeds of doubt in a targeted individual or group making them question their own memory perception or judgment, often evoking in them cognitive dissonance and other changes, including low self-esteem. That part, uh, the low self-esteem, that's what happens. Most often it's a male to a female in a relationship where that's happening. But when you take the lens back and think about, man, what's happening in our world right now? Because here's how it normally happens. They use denial, misdirection, contradiction, misinformation, Gaslighting involves attempts to destabilize the victim, delegitimize the victim's beliefs. Instances can range from the denial by an abuser that the previous abuse incidents even occurred. Like, what are you talking about? I didn't do that. To belittling the victim's emotions and feelings to the staging of bizarre events by the abuser with the intention of disorienting the victim. And that is what I feel like is happening in our world right now, specifically in Western culture. But the reason I, I, I brought it up on Sunday and I'm bringing it up again here is it's, I think, the absolute tactic of Satan to destroy the earth, to lead the whole world astray. And that's what Revelation 12 is, is actually uh, talking about is is this war between good and evil, this war between light and darkness, this war that Satan, the the great serpent, in fact, Revelation 12, when you hear the word serpent, that's how we know the serpent in Genesis 3 was, the or Genesis 3, Genesis 2, was Satan, because it doesn't say it was Satan in Genesis 2 and 3, but it does say here that the serpent was Satan. And the the tactic he's been using since eternity, gaslighting didn't start on earth, it actually started in heaven. And I mean, I don't know, how do you think the people responded on Sunday to that idea? I mean, initially a lot of, a lot of really good feedback um, and a lot of, you can see kind of a lot of light bulbs going off, some head tilts, especially when you read Ezekiel 28 um, and it kind of paints the picture of what Satan or Lucifer uh, is doing or saying, it, it starts to make a lot of sense as to how that played out not only in heaven, but in the garden yeah, and then into humanity. Yeah. And that, I'm glad you brought it up, man, because when you, when you see what's happening in Revelation 12, I mean, maybe we should take a quick second and say, um, this is like the backstory. You're in the middle of Revelation. This is the, okay, this is how it all started. This is where Satan even came from. And it talks about in verse one, the woman with uh, clothed with the sun, the moon under her feet, the crown of 12 stars on her head. It's Israel. It's directly out yeah. of Genesis 49 and Joseph's dream. 
and then so she was pregnant and cried out and she gave birth to a son. She can give birth to a son. It's the Christmas story. Yeah, it really is. Right? I mean, I, I, I would like to make a suggestion if you're listening right now and you have <laughs> not marketed dragons for your um, nativity set. I feel like you're, it's an unserved market. Absolutely. So, yeah, keep that in mind, dragons with the nativity. But this tale speaks of the, uh, the enormous red dragon, seven heads, uh, ten horns, uh, which speaks the seven heads speak of the the seven uh, sort of empires that had come uh, the Assyrians the Babylonians uh, the Romans that all that had ruled over Israel the the, the ten horns speaking of the the ten the, many people believe the European Union I don't necessarily I don't know if that's it or not when you look at the revived Roman Empire and you look at it, those ten nations that come from North Africa all around back up into Italy, whatever. And, and you see the rise of radical Islam. I could see how that could be mm-hmm. um, coming after uh, Israel. Cause it, what this great Satan is trying to do is to destroy the woman, which is Israel and to destroy the child, uh, which is Jesus. And because he was unsuccessful with that, he was not able to kill Jesus. And we know that from our Christmas story, when Herod uh, tried to kill all of the children in Bethlehem, um, he was unsuccessful in that says that the, the, uh, the, the child was taken up to heaven. Jesus ascended and the woman was taken out into the wilderness. And we, we can see what that's going to look like in the tribulation mm-hmm. period. But all of that is like what was, what is, and what is to come. And as I was reading that, realizing that if we go back to where Satan began in heaven, which is Ezekiel, right? That's what you were just talking about. Ezekiel 28. Yeah. Um, it describes Satan's fall from, from heaven. Um, almost the whole chapter, it's, it's a fascinating... I'm going to get there, actually, I'm going to turn it over here. It's fascinating because it says the king of Tyre... And, and so, the, you know, hey, some theologians think it's this, some theologians think it's that. Is it actually the king of Tyre or is it actually Lucifer? You know, my answer is yes. Um, paradox is often in scripture that way. And I, th- I think that because there was a literal king of Tyre who literally did these things, but there's also a literal Lucifer. Cause when it talks about you were in Eden, verse 12, 28, verse 12, the garden of God, Ty- the king of Tyre was not there, right? Right. The king of Tyre wasn't beauty and perfection. And so there's things in here that could only apply to Lucifer. Mm. And I think uh, I'm, I would be willing to put money on it, maybe a, a solid five bucks, uh, a <laughs> theologian bet, that this is speaking of Lucifer, but the reason it's tied together interchangeably with Tyre is that the tactics of Lucifer are the tactics of the world, yeah, the, of the world system that we're in. And I thought it might be interesting to go through each of, like, looking at some of these verses at what happened to Lucifer, right, and, and what happened, like there, and then how that tactic Actually, and I guess we can start with even our modern context. Does that sound like okay to you, Mom? Yeah, I mean, like, absolutely. Because, so one of the things, okay, what you think about if, let's start with this premise. Uh, Satan woke up today uh, hating you, right? He's not interested in you winning, you succeeding. And one of the greatest ways that Satan can avenge, so to speak, his thing is to harm who God loves the most, which is you and I, his children. Uh, his creation, to destroy his creation. And if you can agree to that, and I know, hey, some people, you're too sophisticated to believe in Satan. 
Uh, I appreciate that. Jesus believed in Satan. So if you say that I'm a Jesus follower, but I don't believe in uh, Satan, then you have an incongruent belief there. And I'd like you to think about that. Well, we talk a lot about, you know, this is a result of the fall, right? Yeah. And wh- when we say the fall, what are, what is that implying? What is that referring to? I mean, it, ref- it, it, reply- it refers to uh, the, in- the initial in the garden, right? The garden of God, which is where Lucifer was. But, yes. And, and to me, like, it's even, I wonder if, I've never even thought about this before, but I wonder if we can take that even further back to the fall ah. of Lucifer falling out of heaven. So here's an interesting side. You want to go deeper today? That's why it's called the Deeper Podcast. The deeper podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Genesis uh, 1 says that in the beginning, the earth was without form and void. Okay. The Hebrew word there is tohu vohu. And had I been prepared for this, I would have Googled it already and told you. But there, one of the prophets... I believe it's Isaiah, but uh, maybe it's Habakkuk. I don't know. One of the prophets actually says, in the beginning, the earth was not tohu vavohu. So the question is, is, is there a contradiction in the Bible? Or when Jesus said, I beheld him as fallen like lightning from heaven, speaking of Lucifer. Right. Was the earth created not tohu va bohu but when lucifer was thrown to the earth that it became tohu va bohu and so in genesis chapter one this is uh, some people call this the gap theory uh, there's different words for it but it's the idea that the earth had been created and what we're seeing in genesis chapter one is a recreation of what the enemy had destroyed mm. And so, you know, the, the spirit moved upon the deep and like it's God moving into the earth. That's total conjecture. But if God is truly infinite, right? He's been around forever. Like what was he doing for a trillion years before humans came along? I don't know. But at some point, Satan was thrown to earth. And if God came in and created it and then created it for Adam and Eve, and then he didn't tell Adam, hey, sit around, uh, name bugs, pick flowers, Right. And, you know, skip naked through the garden. As mm. tempting as all of that was, he told them to go and subdue the earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's the, the imagery that I have of an earth with an enemy on it. And why didn't God destroy Satan? You know, there's uh, Ravi Zacharias, God bless, God rest his soul. You know, he talked about the supreme ethic of the universe is love. And love requires a choice. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife uh, loves me. God only knows why. <laughs> God only knows. God only knows. But, but if, you know, the way I know that is she chose me for some God unknown reason, she chose me. And there were a lot, let me trust, trust me on this one. Especially in Nebraska. Oh, dude. She had so many options. People at the Bible college, <laughs> I swear to you, where God would tell them to marry her. Uh, and if I, I know this happened to Rebecca St. James, uh, that God would tell him to marry her. And so uh, uh, I did that with Pam Thumb, too. Like when I was her booking agent, I'd get a worship pastor on the phone and be like, hey, you know, God told me to marry her. He wouldn't tell me that a person. I usually I would know. They would offer me like an unseemly amount of money for Pam to come play a concert for him. Right. And I realized, oh, you think I'm a pimp or something? Like I'm trying to get her married <laughs> off because God told you to marry her. Point is, my wife had a lot of choices right. and she chose me. 
the enemy being here on earth, God allows us the choice. And what I love about it was that really the only other choice we have is not that great. So God in his mercy allowed Satan to be the choice with it. And that choice really was a choice for us as humans to say, I trust you. You know, the lie of Satan from the very beginning in heaven, which we're going to see here in a second, was that God was holding out on Lucifer. Uh, He was telling Adam and Eve the same thing. Uh, He knows that if you uh, eat of this tree, that you'll be like him. And and the the thing, the lie of the whole thing was that they already were like him. They were created in his image. And so the lie was that. But Adam and Eve, when they rejected that, they allowed Satan to then become the prince of the power of the air, signing over. This is a very uh, simplistic view of this, but it's the only one I know to use. It's like me signing over my house for someone else to come live and own. Right. And so that person now has control over my home, even though I'm living in it. They're the, they're the landlords of it. And so, right. which is why. Jesus had, you know, at the, uh, the temptation of Jesus, when Satan takes him up to the mountain and he says, Hey, if you do this, I'll give you everything you see in front of you. I'll give you authority to all of it. And that he said it, Jesus didn't say, what are you nuts? You don't have that authority. He didn't say that, right? He said, uh, he, he's the word of God on him. But the point was that Satan had that authority and that was why Jesus had come and Satan knew that. And so by Satan offering that to him is actually giving Jesus the shortcut to getting the earth back by not having to pay for our sins, which means he got the earth, but he didn't get us. Mm-hmm. And that's what revelation is all about is Jesus coming back on taking now paying the debt for the, getting it back legitimately mm-hmm. from it. So I'm sorry, that's a lot that I just meet shaved. No, it's good. Often it. it's good. And it's interesting that it's called the title. We talked about that um, a couple weeks ago about the title deed. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting that it's even called a title, because that's what Satan's looking for is oh. a title. Yeah. The name, the God. I will be like him. Mm-hmm. I will be like the Most High. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, kind yeah. of a play on words, but yeah, it, it I, works. Well, when I look at this in Ezekiel, I spent a lot of time in in Ezekiel, and then and again in Isaiah fourteen. We probably won't get to both of those today, but. But when you look at the way that this unfolds and you see, um, let's say starting in verse 13, uh, this is describing the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel in verse 12 and said, son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. And, and here's this. You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. And that Hmm. number one is who Satan Lucifer was perfect in beauty. Hmm. And if your image in your mind of Satan, um, involves red, uh, skin and a cape, uh, and horns, uh, fangs or whatever, that is an, that is Dante. (laughs) That is comic book artists. Yeah. But that is not scripture. Chick tracks. Chick tracks. We <laughs> talked about this. We need to order chick tracks. But that's not him, which is why it says he manifests as an angel of light, right? Like if if you get the monster coming in, right? Or this, you know, or Thor, like you don't choose the monster, right? But that's not the way that Satan has presented himself because it's not true. He was, he is beautiful. Yeah. You know, Isaiah 14 says we're all gonna look and say, This is the one who right. deceived the nations. 
And I think that means we're not going to look at it and say the puny little whatever. I think we're going to look at it and say he was, he's beautiful. Yeah. He's, how is it possible that he yeah, was the which, one? Which, it, you know, that's part of the deception all along, right? Is to be deceived to think that he looks like, you know, these these characters or yeah, this, yeah. painted this picture historically or culturally. Yeah. So to that end, so that deception is, that's easy to say no to that one. What's not easy to say no to is, I want to be beautiful. Right. Right. That I want to be... It's just like in our hearts to want to be that, to be something that we're not or to be different than I am, to want to be beautiful. And man, if there is anything that Satan has done, and by the way, this is not just new in our uh, culture, modern day. You look at the Babylonians, you look at the Egyptians, look at the Romans. And beauty became this quest you know, the they goal. Would, right. Yeah. I mean, uh, they, was it the Egyptians? They would like wrap their heads up to make them look this specific way. It looked like they had cone heads from it, but that was, right. they were this quest for that was the, their ideal of, of beauty. The, uh, I mean, Romans, if you've been, <laughs> Lord, if you've been to Italy, all right, you have seen some naked, uh, statues you know, <laughs> all over Italy, all huh? over Italy, man. Everybody's naked over there. And you know, I don't know, maybe it was colder back in those days, but like, they're just, <laughs> Sorry, that was inappropriate. But they were just naked everywhere. But there's this ideal of beauty, and he was perfect in beauty, um, which we're seeing now. Yeah. Yeah, it's an idea that's been perpetuated over humanity, that beautiful is best, or this idea of perfect beauty, the most beautiful, are held in higher esteem. And so now that we have social media... Oh, Lord. Yeah. Over the past 10 years, really. Now, you know, MySpace and Zanga blog accounts. Do you remember Zanga? I remember Zanga. That was like the covered wagon of like the internet. <laughs> I mean, which has not really been that long ago, if we're being honest. I and mean, we're talking like, like 20 years ago, right? 20 years ago. Oh, so in the past 10 years is when, um, you know, Twitter, Snapchat, TikTok, Obviously, Facebook, Instagram, kind of the Pinterest, kind of the big six or seven have just skyrocketed over the past decade. And now we all have the opportunity to look at everyone's perfect lives Yeah, every day. We can scroll through everyone's perfect lives and their photos and their feeds. Which, oh. so the last few months, um, I've laughed about it because it is kind of funny, but there's probably a little bit of truth in it somewhere. Um, so Sarah Ross, if you know, personal trainer, you want to, you want to start getting me in the gym or whatever, but I, um, I, in my normal life, I don't spend a lot of time looking at myself. I don't find the need to see myself. I don't, you know, but when we had to go live on the internet, right on, uh, on TV in March, yeah, do back you in remember March. when I made you guys move the monitor? Cause I, just, <laughs> yes. like, I don't want to see that. Like right. nobody wants to see that. And then I, those pictures came back from when we did beyond our walls and there's like a 35 foot version of my head, which is already large without magnification. Yeah. I don't wonder what I look like anymore. Like, oh, I, this is kind of what we're working with here. Yeah. You know, because <laughs> the older you get, you young, <laughs> you young kids don't know this, but wherever you look like, say you're 20, 21 years old, <laughs> Micah, Gabe Tiemann, Ethan Tyler, whatever, you're looking at yourself right now, <laughs> you're going to be 50 someday and you think you still look like that. <laughs> Until you walk in front of a mirror at night somewhere and, and you scare the crap out of yourself because you think someone's in your house and it was just you. But thank goodness for all these filters. 
right? All these filters on our uh, on our Instagrams and our Facebook can I, can cleans I up some of that. Can I be honest with you? I actually don't know how to do that. Maybe well, I should get some lessons. Just ask your son. Do they have one that deflates your face? Oh yeah, there? smoothing techniques. Ask my son. Probably would know. <laughs> yeah, you can you can lose you can lose some pounds, some wrinkles. Yeah, that sounds it, like a, pretty quickly. That sounds these, like a way better option. You know, Mo, you were actually telling me earlier today, though, about something that I had not heard about. Well, yeah, I mean, speaking of these filters, um, specifically for Snapchat, I mean, they're kind of known for uh, their posts. If you if you take a photo or upload a photo, Snapchat is known for the filters that they have um, to make you look like, you know, a puppy give you dog ears or bunny ears. or But it, it'll also have all of these, like, makeup and... Um, skin, uh, anti-wrinkling filters and just make, make your face look, you know, the best Darren you could possibly have just with a filter selection. And so anyways, what's happening, and this was an article in the Washington post just, um, not too long ago here talking about a new kind of syndrome that plastic surgeons are experiencing from, um, young females, um, in the, in, in the late teens into early twenties. Um, and it's called Snapchat dysmorphia where they are requesting work done to their face that will match or resemble the filters that they can have or find in Snapchat. Wait, 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 wait. So do they walk in with a filtered picture of themselves? Yes. And they're showing them, okay, I want to look like this, which, which you know, is impossible, first of all, uh-huh. but it's a matter of them removing wrinkles from certain areas, you know, obviously thinning out their, their face, their chins, facelifts, eye uh-huh. modifications. This is actually like a huge epidemic, I think is the right word, like in Japan. It's a major yeah. epidemic that's happening with, um, with plastic surgeons and, you know, mostly, you know, young females wanting to look a certain way based upon a Snapchat filter that they're they're using when they're making posts. Because they feel like that is beauty. That is what gets... When I post a picture without a filter, I don't get as many likes as when I do with a filter. Well, that might be my problem. I need to write that down. Filter (laughs) for more likes. Filter uh, (laughs) tutorial later. In all seriousness... (laughs) The problem with this idea, so he was perfect beauty, okay? Um, the problem with that, where we are, is then who defines beauty for yeah, us? who defines okay? that? Because I'm going to tell you something. If I go to, let's say, Haiti, and maybe my Haitian friends are, are watching this, um, I look really good to them. Because if you've grown up in a mm. culture where... Uh, society where there's not enough, a developing nation in extreme poverty, they see a guy like me and they think that dude is rich. He looks amazing, right? Because full, a full figured man, figured man. Yeah. That guy must be eaten at least 10 times a day. And I would say, no, it's more like six, but. And he can only eat six times a day because he has the money and resources to do that. And because of that, that's beauty to them. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And in America, you look at um, a female who's, um, well, I don't, let's not go, let's go with males so I don't get myself in trouble. You, you see a guy who has got the chiseled everything. And what I know about that guy is A, he's super disciplined. 
But I also know he's spending a lot of money, not necessarily on surgery. I'm not saying that, but uh, but most guys, they're spending it on their diet, on their supplements, on their exercise, yeah. personal trainer. Right. And so that's beautiful to them, uh, to us, because I want to be like that. So the question is going to be, who will define us as beauty? And the trap for the enemy in our culture right now uh, is that. And that's why even I think when we think about Antichrist and, and the way that the enemy is going to deceive the nations ahead you know, of us, what's coming, this is not going to be some creepy dude, Anton LaVey, with weird eyebrows and you know, the weird goatee and the, you know, the, the, the pinky, mm-hmm. the Dr. Evil. I think it's going to be somebody that, you know, which is why I'm pretty sure it's not Trump, because it's going to be somebody <laughs> you want to look at. So I, actually, I would look at pretty much our entire slate. Come on, he's got great hair. He does have great hair. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm pretty sure it's real because if you're going to pay for hair, you'd it's buy real. better hair than that, right? And it's, yeah, it doesn't it's blow off. But I think that that's going to be whatever our standard of beauty is that that will be, this will be it. We'll be looking at him and going, that dude or dudette, who knows? And it just says the beast, you know, who knows, right? Um, that this is going to be a beautiful person by our standards. And before that, Antichrist, which by the way, uh, the word Antichrist in the New Testament is really only used by 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, right? It's actually not used in Revelation. Antichrist, uh, the word anti means in place of. So the spirit of Antichrist is already in the earth. Yeah, I think part of that Antichrist in place of Christ is this quest for beauty of perfect beauty that Lucifer had. And it's the way that he is still leading us astray today. There's nothing new under the sun. He's not like making up new crap in hell. He's like, no, this, right. one, this has worked beautifully for thousands of years. We'll just keep doing this one. Yeah, yeah. And so, and so from there we jump to verse 16. Yeah. When you talk about widespread trade. Yes, widespread trade in violence. You were filled with violence. Yeah, by your widespread trade, you were filled with violence. This is pretty obvious to us. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in uh, Lord of the Rings, the, uh, the smog, uh, was that the last one? I'm not, uh, don't get me wrong, I'm super nerdy, but I'm not quite nerdy to know. I think it's the legend of smog, but it's the one where the giant dragon is in the mountain, okay? And all that dragon is doing, and this is, you know, Tolkien was a Christian, right? Like, mm-hmm. sat around drinking ale with C.S. Lewis and smoking pipes and writing amazing books. If I could go back anywhere in time, I would go <laughs> that's where you, there. you'd find yourself in that oh, room. Dude, that's like an Enneagram 5 heaven, man. Like, <laughs> but Smog uh, is in, and he's got all the gold in the world, and he just lays on it. Like, it was never enough. And when you see widespread trade... It was never enough for their country, Ever, whether it's the Roman Empire, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Ar- I mean, they're all the same thing. It was about taking over the world for widespread trade uh, world. We call it globalism today. Yeah. Um, you can look back even into the 1800s, the colonialism and what happened Huge. there, right? And what happens with colonialism? I remember I was in, um, in Indonesia a few years back. Mm. And I learned for the first time that it was the Dutch that had conquered Indonesia, which I was thinking, the Dutch? Yeah. Like, you don't think of the Dutch as a warring people, right? And actually, I think I hurt Edie Bassanio's feelings because Edie's Dutch, and I did not know that. I remember writing this very clever and witty blog about it, you know, and that they basically conquered Indonesia for, like, thyme. Like, they were it's for spices. Right. But even the Dutch got in on the action, is my point. The English, the French... And now when you look at modern uh, world, um, 
Western widespread trade, right? Oil is one of the things we would say. We call it globalism, right? We want to be able to. NAFTA, that's what happened when we took the borders and be able to trade between Mexico and Canada. But here's the thing. that None of those things are inherently bad, but every freaking one of them comes with one thing, and that is violence. Um, when you come back to the United States and think how we have handled the drug trade, uh, we were literally uh, helping to finance. This is not like um, uh, conspiracy theory stuff. This is actually true. CIA was part of helping in somewhat of the drug trade in order to help yes. buy arms for the Sandinistan right. rebels. But it's violence. Now, they were just trying to finance the thing, but it was an ends justifies the means. Uh, that's the United States. Yeah. And, you know, this is totally my opinion, but I believe that that's a, a, a big reason why there's been so many Middle Eastern wars. Oh, is yeah, to, that's, you can say that's a fact, man. That's true. To control to control the oil oh. and, and, you know, the Taliban uh, in its inception was also a CIA driven operation. Right. Yeah, in the eighties. Yeah, I mean, this <laughs> is this is all. I mean, it's not like we're making stuff Char- up here. No, it's Charlie Wilson's his, War. Go watch it on Amazon yeah, Prime. It's yeah. history. Yeah, but and, and I think it's important though that we bring up history because it does get lost. You yeah, know, it's important for us to understand it so that it doesn't repeat itself. Yeah, and to be clear, this is not an assault or an affront on our country, specifically the United States. Um, we've done a lot of, and I say we, we as a country, there have been bad things, but man, I've traveled a lot, and I promise you. There's no place else in the world I'd want to live. Um, That's not a nationalistic thing. I'm just stating you very factually. Yeah. This is where we want to be. And I would say at the same time that uh, us giving money to Osama bin Laden to help defeat the Russians probably wasn't a good idea. Yeah. You know, that probably looked really good on paper. We're trying to defeat the Russians uh, and keep communists at bay. And in doing so, we funded Osama bin Laden, who then in turn, uh, you know, obviously flies a bunch of planes into our buildings until a few years back when one of our guys made his head into a canoe inside of Pakistan. But all of that under the auspices of widespread uh, trade. Yeah. Um, and and, and if, I'll say this, especially if you might be of a progressive bent and you have somehow stumbled into the podcast and you're still listening for some unknown reason. <laughs> you're not offended by now. Right. Every time you fill up your car, you are complicit. So for, right. you know, spare me the, the lecture. Uh, but what's happening in the Middle East, that it's for uh, oil. It is for oil. And you drove your car to work today. Uh, you're complicit. So, and the, the and. Let's just call it what it is. If you are um, wanting to not be complicit and you decide to drive a battery-driven vehicle, well, unfortunately, oh, oh. Um, you may not realize this, but you're also complicit in just the, by the fact that you have a battery in your car and all the work that went into that battery, specifically with the minerals yes. derived to create the battery, is probably causing even more problems. Yes, I mean that's an oil. And look, here's the thing. This is a fallen world. So, I, I mean, I don't want to spiral us into, like, depression. Before long, we're all going to be living out on Buford and Jane's farm, churning our own butter. And, you know, like... It, we are not nihilists. No. Trust us. I'm just saying that that's the fallen world we're in. So when we're, you know, you guys that are burning down the streets of Portland because of this, you're you're tweeting it on your iPhone, which was made in China, which has got two million Uyghur Muslims in prison right now for no reason. Uh, the... The human rights abuses in China are literally, they're not even, no one is even debating them. 
when I hear uh, epidemiologists, uh, media guys, whatever, saying that China did a great job on handling the virus, I just want to like reach through the iPhone and say, are you crazy? Like yeah. they're, they're, they're doing a quote unquote great job by oppressing people and abusing them and imprisoning them by burning down churches. And mm. that's not our gold standard, but through widespread trade, violence, that's not new. That's literally from heaven. Satan comes to earth. He wants to take over what was God's and he wants it to be his own. And the only way that that can happen is through violence. And so he declares war on heaven. Everything we're seeing in the natural revelation is a glimpse behind the curtain. And that's what's happening is a war on heaven. And it plays out as a war on earth. And I promise you that right now what's happening with China specifically in East Africa, they are, and by the way, they're actually stealing a play out of our CIA uh, playbook. The Panama Canal, things that we used to do, we would go in and we would fund things. And the idea being that when you get into the UN, that these people would then vote on our behalf because we helped them financially. Right. That never worked, parenthetically. But what's happening right now is China is investing, divesting a bunch of U.S. dollars by there's oil been discovered in Uganda. So they are drilling wells in Uganda. They have mm. built a super highway right through the middle of a national park, built a bridge across the Nile River in like six months. And I've been there. I've seen it. Wow all the way down to Kenya, where they put a port in. Point is, widespread trade. And I, if you drive through that, you see the way the Chinese companies are treating the Ugandans. They're beating them. They are treating them like crap. And there is no way that China, uh, that Uganda could ever repay the quote-unquote loans. I mean, think about how screwed up this is. They're loaning Uganda the money to build the bridge. But then you have to pay a Chinese company to do it. But it's owned by China. So I'm going to loan you the money to buy this thing, the money you're going to pay back to me now when you hire my company, and you still got... They're double dipping. I was going to already say, that's uh, double dipping. They're getting paid twice. Violence through yeah. widespread trade. And we could go on through that. There's so many of that going on, but we don't have that much time. Verse 17. You corrupted your wisdom uh, on account of your splendor. Mm. Corrupted wisdom. Uh... I don't even know where to start on corrupted wisdom. Well, all these things that we're talking about are tools of the devil, tools of Satan that have been working for however many years. It's just perpetuated through humanity. Yeah. Uh, each one of these things. So when it's referenced in Revelation, um, it feels like this out of touch thing, perhaps. But when you really zoom out and take a look, like these are things that are happening right now. These are these are tools of the enemy that are working on us right now. Yeah. So like when we, you're right, when we see he's declared, because that's the end of Re Revelation 12, by the way, verse 17, is that he, he is now declaring war on, uh, on, the, on the woman, which is Israel, which parenthetically, uh, the, the, <laughs> the one group of people throughout history that has been uh, persecuted, abused, terrorized, where it's, it's the Jewish people uh, and against her offspring, which would be Christians, those who are keep God's commands and hold fast to their testimony about Jesus. And so th those strategies ultimately are about destroying what God and who God loves, his creation. Um, 
In fact, we, we saw that, I think it was two weeks ago, that one of the things that God was just really angry about and the vulnerability of God was he's destroying our, destroying our creation. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of people, when they hear about climate change, there's sure certainly is a political uh, party involved in that. And it is also inarguable that as humans, we've done a terrible job of taking care of our planet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if Satan came to destroy it, made it tohu va vohu, what we're doing right now in many places is making our earth tohu va vohu without form and void. And you are corrupted. Uh, you corrupted your wisdom on account of your splendor. Now, what I see in that with Lucifer was he thought he was the shiznit. Like he was the man, the top dog. Yeah, because he was the alpha. Yeah, he looked at his splendor, right, and was corrupted. His wisdom was corrupted by it, um, which means his decision making was in question. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he wasn't corrupted because he was beautiful. He was corrupted because he became enamored of it and thought it was something that he had done. And man, when I when I think of right now, like in humanity where we can become corrupted in our own splendor. The word splendor, by the way, just means brightness. Mm. Um, This is sad, but if you've ever been in the room when somebody passes away, um, there's almost no other word for it than the light went out in their eyes. Mm -hmm. Um, When my mother passed away and her eyes were just enough open, there was no more light. And I, there wasn't a light, like it wasn't like light coming out, but I just, you just knew. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yep. Like you don't walk in and see uh, in a casket and think, okay, that person is faking it. Like there's no question that that person is gone. Mm-hmm. The light is gone from them. But what has happened specifically, okay, now this happened in Rome. It happened in uh, Babylon, Assyria, whatever, was that the, they got caught up in how awesome they are. And because of how awesome they are, the pride, which is you know Isaiah 14 talks about, that it corrupts their wisdom. Um, like, like the wisdom that we have right now in our culture is, is corrupted. Yeah. And I think it's this idea of, um, there's, there's, there's wisdom and there's knowledge. Yeah. I feel like there's so much knowledge available to us, right? In our phones, we could Google anything at all. We can ask Siri, we can ask Alexa, we can ask (laughs) any one of these AI machines and have all the knowledge for any topic at the palm of our hands, literally at any moment. So there's knowledge abounds. Like it's everywhere. It's vast. Yeah. What did Paul say, right? Second Timothy three, that there were always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Yeah. And I think it feels like that's exactly where we are. Like we have the knowledge of all of these things, but lacking wisdom and truth. Yeah. Because knowledge is the information, but wisdom is what do I do about it, Yeah. right? And the corruption that we've experienced right now is there's this handful of people that believe a very specific thing. Let's just say, uh, let's say for the topics, for, for just for fun and for edification, let's just talk about the issue of transgender, okay? There is a segment of our society in Western culture that says that if you are a man, okay, uh, you've, uh, let's say I've been a man for 35 years, right? Biological. Biological. I was born a man. I've had sex. I made a baby as a man using my man things. But then at 36 years old, I decide I'm a woman. 
And now everybody has to agree with that. There is a segment of society that would say that me even saying this right now is crazy and hateful uh, and transphobic. And I would say that's crazy. That's corrupted wisdom. Look, I've got a, I've got three daughters. I love them. They're great. They're great kids. And one of them, Ashley, uh, was part of Krav Maga. You know, she was all into fighting, and you know. But I tell you, if a guy came in there dressed as a woman and said, "I've been a man for 28 years, but now I'm a female and I want to fight your daughter to compete," yeah, 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 compete in a women's division. Yeah, yeah. As a woman, yeah, I'm not telling you I'm, I used to be a man. I'm just, I'm a woman now. Fight me in your division. That's actually insanity. Like on, on no planet, if, if he didn't say he was a woman and came in dressed as a man and wanted to compete, then none of us would say that. Right. You know, conversely, if he started taking, you know, let's say whatever, 20 years old, 30 years, he starts taking female hormones, but he doesn't tell anybody that. Like that's actually called doping in, in sports. In sports, yeah. I mean, that's, you know, that's what got Lance Armstrong in trouble. He was mm-hmm. doping to, you know, win the battle. And so mm-hmm. uh, what I would say is this, and we've seen a lot lately, especially from progressive side of things, was that we want to go by science. That's all we've been told. We've been hammered with science, 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 science over the coronavirus. Yes. But when it comes to the gender issue, then it's not about science. It's about identity. Yeah. And that's not science. Yeah. Um, and to, so to me, and I would say this, and I, I would highly recommend a book called The Madness of Crowds by Douglas Murray. But one of the things Murray talks about is that when that happens, we can't actually have a a really interesting conversation about it, which is there are some people that they feel that way in their bodies. And why do they feel that way? Mm -hmm. Like that's a conversation that is worth having, but we're not allowed to have it Mm -hmm. because of corrupted wisdom. And to have it might be to say that, hey, this person thinks it's because of science. This person thinks it's because of a social, this, but this person thinks it's body dysmorphia, you know? Right. Uh, this person, but we're not having any of those conversations. And, and I bring that up because uh, in heaven, only one third of the angels went with Lucifer. Okay. That wasn't the majority at all. It was the minority. But because of their corrupted wisdom, they were the loudest of it at all. Mm-hmm. Um, someone once said that you should never play chess with a pigeon uh, because they'll, what is it, right? They'll, they'll knock all the pieces down and then, you know, prance all over the board acting like they've won because right. like, there's, no, there's no conversation happening here. But they're loud about it. I think that if you look at even, and this is the United States alone, if you're Canadian, this may be different where you are in Europe, whatever, but we say we have two political parties. That's actually true, Republican and Democrat. Inside of those two parties, there's right. huge divisions. Yeah. And on the far right and the far left are very loud groups that are making very loud noise that are controlling the narrative for the rest of the, the yeah. country. Not the majority, the minority. And the way our system works, we just went through this. We had a Democratic primary where we had a uh, Democratic uh, out of 50, 25, 30, all these people. And, and nobody ever really won 50, 60 percent of the vote. They were all winning like 10 percent, 5 percent. It was like dividing it down. But there was an race to try to get somebody to get enough, and they end up having to basically bow to the very far ideas mm. in our country. And that's what's happening right now. There are, there are things that I truly believe in. Look, Bill Maher, uh, right. Joe Rogan, Malcolm Gladwell, I could list to you 
dozens of liberals who are actual liberals who say freedom of speech. Taibbi, was he be on that? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Matt Taibbi, my favorite liberal, uh, Rolling Stone writer. Um, They are very much anti what's happening because what's happening in that climate is to say that nobody can say this. We can't have this conversation. And if you say it, then you should be uh, canceled. So like a guy like Bill Maher, he would say that what I think right now, uh, I mean, he actually made a, re- he made, a, made a documentary about guys like us saying that we're crazy because we're Christians. But he thinks, as far as America goes, we should have the right to be crazy and not to be censored because that's what a liberal says. But in a corrupted wisdom, what we're having is not that. We're having this handful of people that are literally dictating the conversation. And, and I would say this, if... Like, if, if Jeff Bezos, okay, if, if the president of Harvard, if a bunch of celebrities are all thinking the same thing, and then you think that same thing, that does not take any courage to agree with that. Like, that is not a courageous stance. What takes courage is that if your view on a given topic, you know, which is held by these powerful minority institutions... Uh, it, that it might be correct. It, it certainly, here's what I would say. Just because these people believe this doesn't mean it's correct, right? Just because of a few powerful people and the courage it takes to say, okay, wait a minute, that's actually not, that. we need to have a conversation about that. Or even just to say, I don't agree with that, uh, but I want to have the right to say I don't agree with that mm-hmm. without being labeled immediately, uh, which is one of Satan's techniques, Romans 12, verse 13, 14, whatever it is, the accuser, to be accused of something that I literally can't even defend myself against. You know, what I said about a man dressed as a woman, and that would be called being transphobic, and that's literally an accusation that has no way to be proven or disproven with me. It's just a slander. Again, diabolos means the, the slander. It's the, technici- uh, the, the techniques of it all. And here, here's what I know. Uh, corrupted wisdom was a technique that the enemy used in heaven. It's a technique that, and maybe technique's not even the right word. It's just, it's what happens. Tactic. It's the logical conclusion of me being caught up in my own splendor is that my wisdom is going to be corrupted. Right. The logical conclusion of me thinking that I'm awesome uh, is I'm going to make some bad decisions with it. Um, It's like if if you've ever been in a... And if you should not have been in one of these, but if you've ever been in a bar fight, uh, a guy that's drunk, you know, thinks he can fight better than he can. His wisdom is corrupted on account of his <laughs> right. beer, right? You make bad decisions with corrupted wisdom. Yeah. And us being drunk on our own power mm. is causing corrupted wisdom uh, in our culture, causing, back to the gaslighting, cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's a really good point, when you, especially when you're talking about trusting science. Like, if that's if that's the hill that people are going to die on is trust science, why is that not a continued thought all the way through the entire ideology? Why are they picking and choosing science versus identity or feelings? Yeah. Or Yeah, so, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it's funny because they would say... If I'm questioning some numbers about what's happening in the, the coronavirus, uh, 
they would say that I'm, you know, a conspiracy theorist guy. In fact, the, the, thing, the thing that's been really funny lately is you hear they throw the word QAnon in front of anything. Like on the left sure. right now, yeah. it's like the right saying George Soros, like QAnon is the George Soros, right? And the right as far as they're concerned. But they think that uh, I'm, I'm, they're throwing that at us. But the idea of, of me questioning it is not saying that I don't trust science. It's that I'm still listening to a scientist in, interpret it. And so I'm being told to trust science, for instance, um, which back in May, they were saying, don't go outside. Don't you stay inside. Just stay alive. All the save your grandma, stay inside. And then when the protests began in May, um, there was a movement very, very, very specifically of white coats for black lives. Um, and it was not about the science with that. It was about the emotion of it. They were inviting us to go outside and to protest saying that if my cause is just enough, then the science is no longer. And this is not a comment about uh, black lives matters. Like if if you are a black person, your life does matter. If you're a Pakistani person, your life matters. That's that's God's word, right? Our lives matter. But in science, if I'm told it's about science, um, the corrupted wisdom would say then science is good here, but not good here. It's good for this, but if your cause is good enough, science isn't important enough. And so the corrupted wisdom for us right now, and I would say, and I guess we'll just land with this as far as the corrupted wisdom, is just, man, there's a lot of really good information in the world. There's a lot of really, really smart people in the world. And at the end of the day, we are humans. And at the end of the day, man, there are viruses that are still killing tens of millions of children a year that we have not been able to stop. We desperately want to. We can't because we are humans and we are finite in that. And I would say that our corrupted wisdom would say that for this one, we decided we could pick this one and we could stop it and we could defeat it at the cost of all others. Even that has a little bit of a corrupted wisdom feel yeah. to it. With the suicide rate that's skyrocketed in America, the the depression, the uh, the corrupted wisdom. It's we, ha- we had all this knowledge about epidemiology, but we had no knowledge about the human soul, no knowledge about how uh, social interactions work. And so it's caused a lot of confusion because of corrupted Wisdom, and it goes on. There's dishonest trade. Um, I mean, that just is what it is. I mean, good Lord, we see that everywhere in our world, right? Dishonest mm-hmm. trade, um, lying and, and, and cheating. And But here's what, here's what I kind of want to end with with this one, um, is that it, it's interesting. He says, verse, um, I think it's 18, 19. So I made a fire come out from you, speaking of Lucifer, and it consumed you, and I reduced you to ashes on the ground, in the sight of all who were watching, all the nations who knew you are appalled at you. You have a, uh, come to a horrible end, and you'll be no more. Um, that language uh, is the language of addiction, the yeah. language of, uh, after all of these things, the dishonest trade, the corrupted wisdom, all, all these things, this fire that comes out of an addict uh, it disintegrates them, right? It just, it separates them. It's the, and I'm specifically speaking of addicts, like addiction, like cocaine, heroin, opiates, alcohol, but it's all sinful behavior that eventually becomes an addiction, a sin that becomes a, uh, a way of life, I mean, look, let's go back one more time to this. And you can read about this in the book, The Madness of Crowds. But in Europe, I think it was Norway, a little child was born and thought that 
uh, he was a girl, and so they gave him hormones, and ultimately it, it went, went terrible, and he uh, ultimately was depressed and suicidal, and the, the state, it's right there, I, it's, I'll put it in the link, but ultimately the state uh, allowed him to commit suicide, assisted suicide, killed him, because what they were trying to do in him was allow him to have his corrupted wisdom, allow him, instead of sending him for help, sending him, hey, you're a child, maybe it's not the right time to make this decision. They were sending him with corrupted wisdom to help him. And ultimately, it destroyed him. And in all of our lives, um, the, the trans issue is the one that's, that's in front of me right now, but it's literally my life, like my life of, of trying to control uh, everything in my relationship, you know, for, for some it's, it's pornography for some it's food for some it's, uh, it is alcohol and drugs for some it's codependency. So there are people addicted to your own feelings. And the longer we allow that wisdom to corrupt us, uh, here, here's what CS Lewis says, um, in his book, the great divorce. Uh, he, so he's basically talking about hell in general. Okay, so keep in mind what we just heard. Fire comes out of you. You've been burned. You've been. This is Lucifer's end, but it's all of our end who don't have who don't have Christ. He says that Christianity asserts. This is from the Great Divorce. Christianity asserts that we are going to go on forever, and that must either be true or false. Okay, that's either true or it's not true. And now there are a good many things that wouldn't be worth bothering about if I was only going to live eighty years or so. But I had better bother if I'm going to go on living forever. And here's what he says. Perhaps my bad temper or my jealousy are getting worse so gradually that the increase in my lifetime will not be very noticeable, but it might be absolute hell in a million years. Mm -hmm. In fact, if Christianity is true, hell is precisely the correct technical term for it. Hell begins with a grumbling mood, always complaining, always blaming others, but you're still distinct from it. You may even criticize it in yourself and wish that you could stop it, but there may come a day when you can no longer do so, and then there will be no you left to criticize the mood or even to enjoy the mood, but just the grumble itself going on and on forever like a machine. It is not a question of God, quote, sending us, unquote, to hell. In every one of us, there is something growing, which will be hell unless it is nipped in the bud. Wow. Right? That's what happened to Lucifer. It wasn't nipped in the bud. And as much as, you know, these guys in Silicon Valley that want to live 200, 300, 400 years, Man, thank God I might get 80 years here. Can you imagine right. how much trouble I could create if I had 150 years? Yeah. And what he's saying here, if you go on forever, eventually, and that's, I think, what we've seen in some of the decisions in our corrupted wisdom is people that have been allowed to make decisions that are destroying their lives until eventually they're not even there to critique themselves anymore. It's what Paul talked about in Timothy about the conscience being seared. They're given right. over to, quote, doctrines of demons taught by, and it talks about a seared conscience. Uh, if you've ever had a scar, a burn scar, I had one on my wrist. I, I burned it when I was a kid. I was making, my son in the next room is making a computer. You saw when you walked in here. I would do that with stereos. And I burned my arm so bad that it made smoke and stink like it was so bad. But for the longest time, I had that scar. And when I touched it, I, I couldn't, I could feel it with this finger, but I couldn't feel it with that hand because it was seared 
And that's what it's talking about, that burning that disintegrates. Uh, uh, and anyone that's been around somebody whose life is spiraling out of control, it disintegrates them. Like a campfire burns and just falls apart. You talk about addiction, and you listed off a list of chemicals, right? Um, when, when do we start adding dopamine to that list? Oh, geez. Well, I suppose. I mean, because social media, I mean, that is an, an addiction, like a growing wow, addiction. Yeah. And, and it just circles back to kind of where we started even. Yeah. You know, just You were just talking about that earlier today, but tell me... So I, I, I probably picked the wrong week to take a principled stand against Netflix because they literally came out with this documentary like the day I canceled. Yeah, it like, came out last week called The Social Dilemma, and it's it's fascinating. If if you're able to watch it, I would encourage you to watch it, and uh, I would encourage you to watch it with your children. Um, and simply put, it's just it's an overarching view of the impact on social media uh, physically and culturally that's having. Um kind of across the board of all ages and how it's impacting us physically, like kind of what we talked about, you know, the, this idea of looking beautiful and the impact that it's having on mental health, the impact that it's having on uh, just the polarization of politics in our country. Mm. Um, and it basically interviews 10 to 12 of the the founders, the programmers, the coders from Silicon Valley that helped create these things. Um like Twitter and Facebook, specifically and Instagram. Um, and it's interviewing them, asking them, you know, basically what are the impacts of the things of, of social media, the things that are inside of social media, even as simple as like the like button or the heart button when you like a post um, and the, the dopamine drops that are happening from that, the, the infinite scroll feature, hmm. meaning when you may not think about this, most people may not even just realize that there's a lot of technology happening behind the scenes when when you're just scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and stuff continues to appear. I mean, that had to be create, invented and programmed. And there's deep psychological potential effects that come from that. And they dive into all of the impacts that this is having. So before you cancel Netflix... Why is Netflix even do because that's them. <laughs> right. Right. It's Netflix. Yeah. I mean that whole like my wife and I watched the Cobra Kai. Uh I think she's got a thing for Ralph Macchio. <laughs> um and I was actually they didn't bring back the girlfriend from high school, so I feel like I kinda got gypped if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, well. Elizabeth Shue. I'm like, wait, I'm like, what am I doing? I'm sitting there watching <laughs> Ralph Macchio for But it was really the first time that Shannon and I have binged something together. Not because we're so spiritual, we're just kind of boring, to be honest. Sure. But literally, the episode would be over, and Chan would be like, oh, "We got to wait for the next one." Yeah, we gotta wait for the next one. Yeah. Um, so my point is, is they're doing that, right? Yeah, it is interesting that that it's an exclusive um, on Netflix. It is kind of ironic, um, but the, the 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 principle of it still remains. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. And Not to discredit, I'm just wondering how stupid they are. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. There's a lot of articles that's already been written over this past week about it. Um, there's a lot of attention drawn to it uh, over the dangers of social media and the impacts that it's having on our kids, especially the impact that it's having on marriages, the impact that it's having just on, um, again, just on our society as a whole that's polarizing our political spectrum, um, pitting the right against the left, the extreme right against the extreme left, um, was there was Tristan Harris featured in this at all? Do you remember? He leads it. Oh, does he? It's his. Yeah, it's it's his specific 
uh, documentary. Like he's the he's the key. Fascinating. So I had bookmarked this. So you know Tristan, by the way. Tristan. Tristan Harris. Well, my name is Duran. (laughs) (laughs) Martine. Yeah, he's the he's the featured interview. Fascinating. So I found this piece. It's a classic five move on my part. I had this like bookmark from it's in 2016. It's actually a piece by Tristan Harris. Yeah. Written. but he said this, I remember, uh, he talked about slot machines. So first of all, what he was admitting yes. was, we actually did this on purpose. Like the designers, this wasn't something they did on accident. Like there was a lot of purpose putting into it. And putting a slot machine in your pocket was, uh, in fact, he says, I'll, you know, we'll put the link. Uh, do we ever figure out how to do show notes? We'll have to figure that out. I'll, th- I'll throw it in the Google thing, uh, this piece. But um, he says the... Uh, average person checks their phone 150 times a day. Why do we do this? Why are we making 150 conscious choices? And he talks about the reason is a psychological ingredient in slot machines, which is intermittent variable rewards. And then he goes on to say that was something I did not know that slot machines are the like highest earning gambling in, in any casino across the world. Really? Slot machines are the biggest money maker. It's where you can actually win something. Well, it's because you think you can. Uh, you just keep going. Yeah, he's, that's the thing he's saying is that it's like uh, if you want to maximize addictiveness, all text designer, uh, tech designers need to do is link a user's addiction like pulling a lever with a variable reward. You pull a lever and immediately receive either an enticing reward, a match, or a prize, or nothing. Addictiveness is maximized when the rate of reward is most variable. When you put your thumb on it and pull it down, it makes that little spinny wheel and where you're going to get notices or not. That's what he's talking about. Yeah. And they, they term it as a phrase called the attention economy. So in other words, mm. there's an economy out there that has all of our attention and everybody has a price tag. And each of us are willing to give up our attention for something. For yeah. something. And he dives really, really Whew. deep into that. Man, I've felt an enormous amount of uh, conviction uh, in the last few months even of uh, I would read so much. I mean, you know me, I read a lot, whatever. I have like five books going at the same time, but I'm one, I've just, I don't even want to know how much I could have read if I hadn't have figured out that there are funny puppies making uh, on TikTok, like the, right. I'm apparently pretty shallow. Like I just want to see the dogs with the human voices making stories, but I'm like, that's embarrassing. I don't, in fact, this will say this and then we'll end with this, but this is how, this is how I know this is a problem when I'm on the treadmill. Okay. I hate being on the treadmill. I just hate it. I hate being uh, on the elliptical, but I'll watch a, a, a show. But with the thing that I've stumbled into about a month ago was that if I'm watching TikTok videos while I'm on it, it goes so much faster. There's literally something psychologically happening mm. one minute at a time. Yeah. And that was a moment where I had to take a step back and go, oh, wow, this is, this is fire. Yeah. <laughs> this can disintegrate me from my relationship, you know, mm-hmm. from my wife and from my children and ultimately from from our Lord. Well, yeah, because we're talking about um, deception, which leads to distraction, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of the whole premise of yeah. Revelation 12 is the deception that leads to a distraction. Well, think oh, away oh, gosh, from the truth. Gosh, I'm think about this. He leads the whole world where? Astray. Astray. Completely distracted. Like away from where they're supposed to be. Yeah. Uh, that was his job. Like that's right there in chapter 12, verse, I think 16, 17. Like it's, that's him. He's coming to lead the whole world astray. That ancient serpent who leads the whole world astray. 
I'm intrigued by this because I've been to some pretty remote places. Uh, I've had cell phone service almost everywhere I went, whether it's the, the Himalayan mountains, the bush of Northwest Africa, uh, except for Buford and Jane's farm, but every place else. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> down in College Grove, uh, I don't know, maybe, no signal. Maybe, you know why? Maybe because God loves Jane. <laughs> I think God loves Jane DeFord so much that he has canceled the internet over their house because he just loves them. But uh, the, the whole world astray. Um, I mean, look, I remember sitting, uh, Bob Gresh and I sitting in an orphanage in Dominican Republic, and we, he asked the question sitting in there, <clears throat> how many of you young men have, have seen porn? And every single one of them raised their hands. And where was this? In the Dominican Republic, oh, in wow. an orphanage wow. of a boy's school. I was like, they don't have anywhere to go. So I, we never really got to drill down on that. But now I'm looking at a man, when we go through Haiti and I see every one of those young men have phones in their hands, don't you think, don't you know that's what they're doing? Mm. West Africa, East Africa, this thing that we wanted to do to connect the whole world is right there to lead yeah. the whole world astray. The same doesn't mean the internet is evil, but it does mean this, that Satan, Ephesians 2, the prince of the power of the air. Yeah. Um, and that is all of the air. I mean, I'm getting stuff right now from space, right? My phone is getting messages. It's not hooked up to anything. Right. I remember at high school, I used to, when I talked to Mary Yelm, who's my girlfriend, <laughs> I'd have to, I, I was high tech when I got like a really long curly cute cable so I could walk around the corner to talk <laughs> on the phone. Uh, but it doesn't do that anymore. You know, then it went into a wire and went into another wire, but now it goes through the air and the prince of the power of the air. What a Yeah, it's also interesting. We talk about Elon Musk a lot too, and he's in the middle of building another project called Starlink, oh. which will build a massive grid of internet capabilities across the globe. He's launching anywhere from 20 to 40 satellites about every 10 days. Wait. And building... How many? 20 to 40 satellites. How how often? About every 10 days or so. There, he, he wants to have a grid of... I forget how many total. I think <laughs> it's like do that. It's like forty thousand satellites. <laughs> like I'd be, the, I'd be that excited if I had that many bottle rockets, right? Or yeah. Roman candles. These are like well, because satellites. they figured out how to send up uh, rockets and return them wow. right back to their base, and so the cost is just diminished so much that they're sending they're sending things up. Okay, that's fascinating. We got to talk about that next week because yeah. that's the prince of the power of the air, like the atmosphere. Yeah. So the oh, goal wow. is to have a complete total grid mesh of internet available to every human being in the next like three years. Wow. And I'll tell you, I mean, they're already far along, but what he's doing right now, that takes it from having to dig wires under the ocean and under the ground, right? Yeah. Be all, all in space. It'll be the Dude. lowest, Dude. the lowest uh, traveling satellites in space will be his his grid of satellites. It's only like, I forget how many, 20,000 feet probably above the Earth's atmosphere. And he, he has his global approval for this. Oh, it has to be higher than 20,000, right? That's where planes go. Well, no, I'm saying above Earth's atmosphere. Oh, 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 okay. So like above and beyond Earth's atmosphere, they'll be the lowest flying satellites. Um, I don't see what could possibly go wrong with this. Right. There's nothing could possibly go wrong. Yeah, with you that. can you can check it out. You can you can fact check me if you want. There's no way that that could ever get into the wrong hands, right? So there's no way that's going to be good. It's All a good. SpaceX division called Starlink. Golly. Well, here's the good news, guys. Yeah, there's good news in all this. There is, because Jesus is going to come, and he's going to catch us up to meet him in the air. He's going to redeem it. He's going to take back the air, right? 
There'll be no sun. We won't need it because he'll be there. Yeah. That's what I love about Revelation is there's redemption. Yeah. There's there's just, there's redemption. Yeah. There's, t- there's time. Yeah. And he's redeeming all of it. It is. It's hopeful because if I were to look at this and I don't have this hope in Christ, this is pretty scary crap. Yeah. Like I'm, this yeah. is, this is not good. Mm-hmm. When you hear guys talking about civil war, you're like, oh, whoa, 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 back up. Let's all let's all be classy here. Like, what yeah. are we doing? But knowing that Jesus is coming, that he's going to catch us to meet us in the air, and that I think the vast majority of the people are going to be with him. You know, if one, th- everything, this, the thing about a third, I mean, it's not that the vast majority of the people are going to end up not with him. I think the vast majority will end up with him. There will be those, and you don't want to be one of them that have rejected him, that have uh, said, we won't want you to be our Lord. And I would encourage you to not wait until he catches us away into the air for that. I would encourage you to make that decision now to follow Christ, because, you know, even before he returns, living in a way where I'm not having to find my beauty in the internet, where I'm not trying to find my worth and my value and my, from corrupted wisdom, but I can constantly come back to the, not the prince of the power of the air, but the prince of peace. Uh, and that, I want that for you if you're listening today. And if you want that, would you email us info at conduitchurch.com? Somebody would love to pray with you. Even if you're not in Nashville, somebody would love to pray with you. And we'd love to know that you're listening. Um, Mo, how can they find us and, and what should they do about it? A couple of different ways on our website, conduitchurch.com. Uh, all the information about everything that's happening at Conduit can be found there. And we're also encouraging our regular Conduit family to download the Church Center app. Yes. Just search Conduit Church um, within the Church Center app, and we'll get you linked up to everything that's happening. It's just a simple app that has all for inf- all of our information, including our YouTube uh, live stream that happens 10 a.m. every Sunday morning, as well as our podcast list, way to RSVP for services, and just information about all Okay, so we appreciate you guys joining us today. This was a deep one. Maybe you have the meat sweats as you have listened to this. I guess we should be issuing conduit towels for the meat sweats. Napkins. Napkins. (laughs) Moist towelette. Hey, uh, I hope if you're in town, man, would you think about joining us at Conduit on Sunday? Uh, And if you are not, man, we are... Always online, like Mo said, conduitchurch.com. For those of you that are still staying at home because you just haven't felt safe being out, we get it. We understand. We're praying for you. We love you. And know that uh, we we are, even though we only see a camera on Sunday, we are seeing you and hope that you guys are doing well. We pray for you. So, uh, yeah, uh, if you can be with us this weekend, uh, we'd love it. And if not, uh, we will be back next week with the next episode of Deeper.